0: Hello, ghostbusters yes of course they're serious you do you have no kidding uh-huh well just uh, just give me the address uh-huh. yes of course oh they'll be totally discreet thank you we go Comedy. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the DTF Podcast. My name is Sam Norton, and yes, today we are talking about the Ghostbusters, both past, present, maybe even future. And how much controversy can a bunch of ghostbusting men and women create? We'll get into that too, because apparently it's a fucking lot. Apparently, Hollywood has every problem in the world and it's all due to a bunch of fucking spooks, and by that I mean ghosts, it's not racial, not yet anyways, we'll get there, because that's part of the story, everything's part of the story, it seems like fucking everybody and their dog, uh, especially my dog, say hi Louie, had an opinion about uh, the 2016 contrasted to the 1984 movie, and I'll give you this man's opinion for Halloween, so here we go. We are talking today about the original 1984 horror comedy movie written and performed by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. They were also co-stars with one illustrious Bill Murray, Ernie Hudson, Rick Moranis, and Sigourney Weaver. Quite a... Fantastic cast of characters in that movie. Not to be outdone, though, in 2016, we got a new reboot, question mark, of the Ghostbusters horror comedy written by Katie DePold and Paul Feig. Uh, And the cast was starred uh, by no less comedy icons than Melissa McCartney, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones, and not a comedy icon, but a man... Uh, who kind of held his own, Chris Helmsworth. You may know him as Thor. In 1984, Ghostbusters was an original passion project from SNL uh, alum Dan Aykroyd. With his fascination with supernatural and paranormal activity, he grew up in a family that was about seances and supernatural activity, so that was part of the reason he came up with this very, very, very original concept and by very original, I mean, it might be an homage straight or straight downright theft of a 1946 comedy called Spookbusters and or a homage slash ripoff of the 1937 Disney short, Lonesome Ghost. Very similar in idea, not execution per se, but it's, uh, it's, it's pretty close. A bunch of ghost hunters going after uh, now. In the original version, uh, Dan Aykroyd did write the part of Dr. Venkman, played by Bill Murray, for John Belushi. But unfortunately, he died before they went into production of Ghostbusters, ironically. And so they cast uh, Bill Murray, to much of the dismay of nobody. Because Bill Murray does a fantastic job as the scumbag con artist known as Peter Venkman. Uh, Ghostbusters, the original 1984 version, did, uh, it was made for $30 million, and through the box office back in that time, it made $295.2 million. So, if you can say anything, uh, maybe it wasn't a great movie to some people, maybe it wasn't funny to some people, but what you can't say is it wasn't a huge box office success, especially for that time. Now the 2016 version was made for 144 million dollars and made 229 million roughly. Uh, now what you can say about that movie is you definitely uh, can say that it wasn't uh, wasn't that much of a hit. I mean it doubled its money almost, but uh, made a little bit less than the 1984 version. So uh, now it is reflected in most critics' eyes that the 1984 version is a fantastic comedy. In fact, the AFI, the American Film Institute, ranked the 1984 Ghostbusters as one of the top funniest comedies ever made. In fact, it made number 28 on the funniest comedies of all time. The 2016 Ghostbusters, however, was uh, released to not much fanfare. uh, In the hopes of building up, like with any movie, uh, a little bit of excitement and buzz. They released a trailer of the 2016 Ghostbusters on YouTube, and much to the dismay of the producers, executives, directors, and actors, a flood of controversial Uh, Opinions started to come out through comments, blogs, tweets, and every other social media platform possible. Uh, Within the first day, there were 12,000 likes. However, there were 1,300 dislikes. uh, Much to do around a lot of sexist and racist connotations behind all the hatred and dislike. Now there was a lot of flood against uh, the new movement that's been happening in the film industry against reboots, remakes, and nostalgia chasing, which a lot of people thought that this was, but it would be unfair to deny that there were racial and sexual connotations, which we will get into. Now, I wanted to play a clip. We're going to kind of review both movies for people who have been involved or seen the movie uh, or have an opinion of themselves. Uh, We're going to start with the 1984 Ghostbusters, maybe one that people are more, maybe, maybe they're less familiar with, but they've actually seen it. For some reason, this is a weird thing to say, but I think most people are less familiar with the 1984 version, even though they saw it, whereas the 2016 version, I think people are more familiar with it just because of the backlash and craziness, but not a lot of people saw it. I literally just watched it yesterday while recording this. Uh, I was like, oh, let's do Ghostbusters for, it's gonna be Halloween, whenever you're listening to this, maybe it's fucking, I don't know, Easter, but while I'm recording this, it's for Halloween, so I was like, let's watch Ghostbusters, so uh, that was quite a while after the release date, Uh, I actually went to a video store and rented the DVD, Uh, but let's talk about the Ghostbusters, the original 1984 version, I'm gonna play some clips that we can talk about and then kind of dive into the movie itself, Uh, a couple of clips, I'm gonna play one of my favorite scenes and talk about why I think the comedy is funny in that one of them uh, at the very beginning is Ghostbusters go on their first ghostbusting mission uh, technically with their proton packs and stuff to catch ghosts and they are about to head up an elevator and a man sees them and goes oh that's weird and then the next one is just a famous uh, clip of the movie where they are in trouble with the EPA uh, which is played by Walter pecker they're not played by but that's his uh, uh that's his character is Walter peck and he is trying to tell the mayor to arrest the ghostbusters because he thinks that they cause like terrorist activity and the ghostbusters are like hey let us go out and ghost bust. so they're in the meeting room and that's that scene so let's go ahead and listen to that come back and we will dissect the 1984 ghostbusters then dive into the 2016 Ghostbusters, then compare and contrast and talk about all things Ghostbusting. So... Don't be scared of no Ghostbusting. We'll be right back. What are you supposed to be? Some kind of a cosmonaut? <laughs> no, we're exterminators. Somebody saw a cockroach up on 12. That's gotta be some cockroach. Bite your head off, man. Going up? I'll take the next one. (laughs) (laughs) These men are consummate snowball artists. They use sense and nerve gases to induce hallucinations. People think they're seeing ghosts. And they call these bozos who conveniently show up to deal with the problem with a fake electronic light show. Everything was (gasps) fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. They caused an explosion! Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Jesus! Oh, no, Break no, it up. Break it out! All right, all right, all right. Well, that's what I heard. This city hall. Now, what am I going to do here, John? What is this? All I know is that was no light show we saw this morning. I've seen every form of combustion known to man. But this beats the hell out of me. The walls in the 53rd precinct were bleeding. How do you explain that? Good afternoon, gentlemen. Oh, your eminence. How are you, Lenny? You're looking good, Mike. We're in a real fix here. What do you think I should do? Lenny, officially, the church will not take any position on the religious implications of these uh, phenomena. Hmm. Personally, Lenny, I think it's a sign from God. But don't quote me on that. I think that's the smart move, Mike. Well, I'm not gonna call a press conference and tell everyone to start praying. <clears throat> uh, I'm uh, Winston Zettermore, Your Honor. But I've only been with the company for a couple of weeks. But I gotta tell you, these things are real. Since I joined these men, I have seen shit that'll turn you white. Well, you could believe, Mr. Pecker. My name is Peck. Or you could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion what do you mean biblical what he means is old testament mr mayor real wrath of god type stuff exactly fire and brimstone coming down from the skies rivers and seas boiling 40 years of darkness earthquakes volcanoes the dead rising from the grave. human sacrifice dogs and cats living together mass hysteria enough i get the point all right that was clips from the 1984 ghostbusters smash hit comedy horror movie Uh, Supernatural comedy, I guess, is more... Not necessarily horror, but, you know, it's easier to say horror. It's kind of the bigger umbrella. But supernatural uh, type of movie, type of comedy. Now, I, I think the biggest difference between the 2016 and 1984 movie is that there was a lot more passion or heart in the 1984 version. That's a pretty vague, unquantifiable review to give about a movie, but it does, I, it, I'd be lying if I said it didn't reflect in the writing, uh, mainly, um, and the, the acting and jokes, it's it's whatever, but the, the writing mainly showed a real respect and reverence and kind of a uh, uh, real passion, I mean, I can't, I can't think of any other word but other than passion behind it, and it's because it was a project by Dan Aykroyd, and it resonated through his writing that he did with Harold Ramis. I think Harold Ramis got behind the idea, but the the, the real emphasis on supernatural and maybe how to bring uh, that movie to life, and the mythos, and the, the, the culture of the movie, and just the real environment of the movie was played out by Dan Aykroyd because he it was almost like a fantasy that he wanted to live. Like, oh, I, I want to catch ghosts. I want to talk about Zul and Gozer and all these weird arcane gods and goddesses from back in Cimmerian times and weird shit that, you know, So only someone who's very nerdy and well-known about that project can actually get into. Uh, it's the same thing, in my mind, as whenever you watch a... Uh, Sports announcer, or listen to a sports announcer talk about a sport that they love, as opposed to just a broadcaster talk about a sport that they have to talk about. There's a lot of passion and information and insight into something that you care about because you want people to be as involved as you are. And I think Dan Aykroyd really did that. Now I think Harold Ramis, on the other hand, uh, really punched up the script. <laughs> Harold Ramis, uh, for all of you who don't know, passed away, but he is uh, very well known. Very well-known writer-director who uh, was involved with Caddyshack, Animal House, uh, Groundhog's Day, you name it. Uh, almost every 80s, the great 80s comedy was Harold Ramis at some point. Um, and I think, uh, I, I don't know, I, I think that really shows whereas, and we'll get into the 2016 version, but I think the 2016 version was uh, very much a Hollywood creation. And uh, that, that's a big issue that I have, personally, um, is that uh, Hollywood doesn't take much chances with original things. Um, movie like Ghostbusters, Beetlejuice, these original kind of mythos stories, yeah, you take a huge gamble. And I understand that uh, movie making is a business, so you want to lower your gambling overhaul on that. The over-under so if you take something that everybody loves already and you make another one people will buy it I understand that's how it works uh, but you really kind of kill uh, what makes Hollywood uh, separate from any other business which is you are a creative one right you you create kind of wonderment and majesty that's uh, that's how Hollywood sold itself forever is uh, it's escapism it's, uh, it's something to to dream about, right? And when you don't have original uh, scripts or ideas, there's not a lot of dream and imagination. It's just a lot of pomp and circumstance behind a lot of cotton candy. It's mostly air. Yeah, it's sweet. It's good popcorn show. So that's why people pay for it. I understand that. But there's not a lot of uh, substance to it. You know, you need... Sometimes you need a cake. You need something that's dense and thick that you want to really dive into and keep eating. Yeah, if you have too much, it might make you sick. I understand that. That's the... The problem with a lot of, uh, good ideas that go sour is that, you know, you have one slice of cake and then you want more and more, those are sequels, and after, you know, five slices of cake or five sequels, you're like, fuck this, this is terrible, right? So that's the problem, uh, with, uh, with that. Now, uh, let's talk about the clip real quick, now that I've aired out my grievances with Hollywood not taking any more fucking chances with anything, uh... The, uh, I, I like that in the clip with uh, uh, all the Ghostbusters and Walter uh, Peck, right? Uh, I like the writing in that was uh, subtle. The, the idea that the, uh, the humor the humor in the movie is very subtle. When I watched it again, because I watched these movies back to back. I noticed that I wasn't finding myself laughing out loud, but I was amused through the whole thing. Like there wasn't even chuckles or anything, but it was stuff like I my I could feel my brain go, "I like this." Like there was just little clicks in my head that I was like, "Yeah, okay." Was that funny? Nah, it wasn't laugh out loud funny, but I was involved the whole time, and I. Th- In my opinion, and I know I made the argument uh, kind of against this with the movie Dirty Work, right? If you guys go back and listen to that uh, episode of Just a Tad, I was arguing that uh, a lot of movies, a lot of comedy movies, try to have too much plot and not enough jokes, and so they lose sight of being a comedy, right? Now, here's the argument against what I said with that, right? If you're not going to be a straight comedy, right then your job is to be a good movie first. And I think that's where a lot of movies uh, that are in the comedy genre fall short. Uh, And I think that's the argument I made against Trainwreck. I'm not meaning to shit on that movie again. I'm not going to. But that was the argument I made about Trainwreck because it was trying to have its cake and eat it too. It was trying to be a really, really funny, quippy comedy with a bunch of funny things that people say here and there and boom-ba-da-bop. Uh, And at the same time, it was trying to be a serious uh, romantic... It was a romantic comedy, but it was trying to be like a serious... You know, people die in it. There's huge arguments and a relationship. Whereas this movie, I think what it did uh, wonderfully is it never lost sight of what it wanted to try to be. And I think that's... uh, I, I think the humor in the movie can be attributed, if I could be so bold, to Harold Ramis... I think the heart of the movie can be attributed to Dan Aykroyd, meaning that it, it never lost sight of what it was, which was, yes, it was a silly movie. Thank you, Harold Ramis. But it was very serious about its world that it was in. Never made fun of, oh, what the fuck is a ghost doing here? Bleah. It was very much the people that inhabited the environment were, uh, were very serious about what was happening. Um, and that, that's something I see uh, happen quite a bit, not all the time, but quite a bit in a lot of comedies. And I think what the new one's uh, biggest sin is about is that there's no straight men. And not straight men is in, like, they don't want to suck dick. I'm talking about uh, in comedy you need the goof and then you need the straight man. You need someone to play off the juxtaposition, right? Uh, and each of them can have their own punchlines. If someone's crazy, then a stone face can, or a look can... Uh, give like a wink and a nod to the audience of like, yes, I know this is crazy. But then uh, the stone face or someone's taking something very seriously, like a uh, puppeted ghost or a claymation ghost, if they're taking that that seriously, that allows the goofball to, say, a quip to juxtapose the situation and make light of it. That's where the humor comes from. Uh, And the... In, in that movie, uh, in the 1984 one, every actor that is not the main four, and I, I'll even, uh, I'll even extend that to, uh, yeah, I'll even extend that to Rick Moranis's character who's in the movie. Uh, he's very much, uh, a, a silly, silly goofball of a character, uh, very very comedic relief but yet he takes the world seriously too he just kind of goes overboard with it so i'll extend it to him but outside of the five main characters uh peter Vankman, egon spangler ray stance winston zettimore and lewis tully outside of them everybody else every bit character even sigourney weaver every bit character takes it very seriously that ghosts are around people are scared they're concerned they don't like that The Fifth Precinct's walls are bleeding. Everything is as serious as can be done to allow the lead actors to be the comic relief. You cannot have comic relief, big emphasis on relief, not comic. I think that's the biggest part is that uh, you cannot have comic relief if there's nothing to relieve yourself from. If everybody and everything around you is comedic, There's no relief from that. The relief from the comedy would be someone being super fucking serious all the goddamn time. And I think that's what is lost in most comedies, especially the 2016 version. Um, So let's go into that one so we can uh, talk about it, and then we'll talk about them together. So this is the 2016 uh, Ghostbusters, uh, which had a fantastic cast and crew. I can't deny that. Uh, they had uh, the, the director, Paul Feig. Uh, you know, he did a movie called Heat. I haven't seen Heat. He also uh, was in movies like Heavyweights growing up. Uh, he's, you know, sketch actor, improv actor, director. Uh, he's he's done enough comedy to be confident about it. Uh, but I think where the most talent lies is in the cast, which was... Uh, we'll get into it, uh, the most controversial part, but uh, these these are really heavy-hitting uh, present-day uh, comedic actors, actors and actresses. Well, mainly just actresses, I guess, now that I'm looking at it, uh, which was the controversy. That's how dumb I am that I'm like, oh, actors and actresses. No, just all actresses. Uh, Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones. These are wonderful uh, comedic actresses who uh, are very, very funny. And I think the problem was, uh, in this movie, in my opinion, was more the writing than anything else. But we'll get into that. Uh, I want to introduce some clips. Uh, very, very funny. Uh, in certain cases, very, very dull in other cases. Uh, and I'm going to... We'll, we'll play this clip. Uh, this is where Kristen Wiggs character, uh, Aaron Gilbert... She gets fired from her job as a tenure. Well, she was gonna get a promotion as a tenured teacher. They uh, end up firing her because she likes ghosts, which is kind of a weird plot hole. But whatever, it's a show about it's a movie about ghosts. Who gives a fuck? Let's just move the plot on, right? Uh, and then Melissa McCarthy, Abby Yates, and Kate McKinnon, Jillian Holtzman. Uh, they also get fired from their job at a uh, college. So these are th- these are those scenes together. Um, showing how they kind of have to move to become the Ghostbusters. So uh, listen, we'll come back and uh, talk about Ghostbusters and dissect it until it becomes a ghost. We will be right back. All right, that was Melissa McCartney, Kristen Wiig, and Kate McKinnon in their respective roles in the 2016 Ghostbusters. Sorry, Leslie Jones. Uh, those were the clips I wanted to talk about. You did a great job in the movie, but uh, I just wanted to play that clip because it kind of emphasizes the most what I uh, wanted to talk about today. Um, so before, before we get into all the controversy, you know what, let's get into the controversy so I can talk about my real thing, my real problem with this fucking movie. All right, so for all of you don't know and been living under a rock this year, uh, one, Trump uh, has been running for president, uh, so welcome back above ground. Uh, (laughs) uh, Hillary Clinton is apparently the most evil monster ever to run for president, and in 2016, the Ghostbusters were rebooted as women. Oh, my God. That was a huge problem. Uh, Whenever the trailer came out, people lost their shit. Not only because they were rebooting a beloved uh, franchise, but they were doing it with all women, which some people kind of masked. I, so I think some people were genuine about uh, saying this seems like a gimmick, that they are having all women, uh, which to a certain extent, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past Hollywood for trying to use diversity as a selling gimmick. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I think a lot of people who were saying that were also masking their uh, their hatred towards women comic. Not hatred, but well, yeah, you know, it's hatred. It got pretty bad. There was a lot of cunts. They had to like shut down the YouTube comments, and uh, they actually pulled the trailers for a little bit because people were just shitting all over it so hard. Uh, yeah, like I said, the in the beginning they had. Uh, more dislikes than likes on YouTube the first um, the first day that they released the trailer, which I believe was the first time that that's ever happened in the history of YouTube. Like people went people went out of their way to watch it and then leave nasty comments and uh, you know put dislikes. Like they were trying to drive the uh, analytics into the ground on purpose. Which uh, man, I I didn't know you could be that bad. Pa- and here's the thing: I love Ghostbusters. When I saw the the trailer for the first time, I thought it looked stupid, not because of uh, the girls in the movie, uh, I thought it looked stupid because of the, what I said at the time, and I still hold up to this, is it looks like the uh, remake of Scooby-Doo that they did in the early 2000s, like the... The graphic, everything was neon, uh, and and everything is neon in the movie. It it, it honestly looks like uh, it looks like Joel Schumacher remade uh, Batman and the Ghostbusters. Everything was just fucking neon club kid bullshit uh, from the ghosts to the proton packs to the fucking lighting. Everything was just this crazy. Fucking acid trip of uh, so I, I didn't like that I, I actually hold more uh, dislike towards Paul Feig for that idea of um, you know that that idea that oh we should have these like really bright ghosts um, there was to me there was nothing really spooky about anything it was all like if something's really light and you can see every detail there's nothing scary about it so I think they lost that. Again, not saying that the original Ghostbusters is fucking horrifying, but it had a spooky element. Both of them did, the first one and the second one. They they attempted to be slightly scary and slightly ominous, uh, and this one seemed like they went a little bit more cartoonish, which is their right, but I also didn't have to like it, you know. Um, But back to the, the, you know, back off my opinion. Go back to the. yeah, the, the, there was a, a hell of a lot of backlash for the the casting idea of having all women, and um, part of it, unfortunately, went to Leslie Jones, uh, who is the only, uh, I think she's the only black cast member... Um, I guess, uh, Michael K. Williams, who was on The Wire, is in there, but he's there as a bit part, like, but she was the only black cast member, and she, she got a good brunt on Twitter, uh, from all that hatred that started off sexist, of saying, you know, women aren't funny, yada, 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 if you wanna talk about women being funny in comedy, go listen to a past episode of Just a Tad that I've done, uh, which you'll hear my, my opinion on that, and, uh... Yeah, it it quickly turned into, you know, she was trying to defend herself in her movie and it quickly turned racist because that's how you hurt people. And uh, there was a lot of backlash against it. And it was hard to differentiate from people who were genuinely horrible human beings, uh, people who were just misogynistic or just racist or people who just didn't like the movie. Um, One in particular, I want to give... I want to talk about... I know this is very inside uh, my own head, uh, but there was one person. His name's James Rolfe. He does a show that I'll probably talk about later because he's kind of made his own way. He does a show on YouTube and nobody should care what the fuck he thinks to be quiet. I love him to death. I watch his... uh, YouTube channel all the time, but he's fucking a YouTube guy. Nobody gives a shit about him. Fuck him. You know what I mean? And yet he went on and did a movie review, uh, because he does movie reviews from time to time. He's like an amateur filmmaker, and was just like, yeah, I'm not going to see this movie. Uh, I didn't want it, and uh, I think that most people, if you don't want something, uh, don't pay for it. You know, If, uh, (laughs) if Hollywood comes out with a movie you don't want, the best way to tell them Uh, this movie sucks, is don't give them money. And there was a lot of backlash against him. Now it came out, I think, I honestly think it came out against him that he was a misogynistic, chauvinistic piece of shit, sexist, how dare you, uh, you know, you have this platform of millions of people watching you and you tell people not to go see women in comedy do this thing and that and the other. And uh, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a little munch because not once in his review he didn't... uh, he didn't mention the fact that they were women. He was just like, yeah, this is capitalizing on nostalgic trips and I'm sick of reboots. He mentioned the RoboCop re- reboot that nobody fucking liked and wanted. And so he's like, yeah, just everybody. Don't go see the movie. Then they will stop making uh, these reboots and remakes that nobody wants. And uh, he got a bunch of shit for it. And i that's when I knew that it hit a tipping point for sure, that they had too much... Uh, sexist and racist backlash against this movie for no reason is that they were just shooting blindly. They were in the corner and like, all right, who's the next person to s- start up? We're going to start punching back. And it, un- you know, unfortunately was James Rolfe who was just giving a genuine opinion about a movie and a uh, bunch of people uh, online uh, started retaliating against him. And he got the... Not as bad as Leslie Jones, but he got, on the reverse side, the uh, the equivalent of the Leslie Jones type of treatment from uh, Ghostbusters supporters, I guess we'll call them. And they were just, uh, yeah, just real bad with him. And with that, like, in my head, when it comes to... Alright, so we've talked a lot on this podcast about... Uh, political correctness versus free speech and uh, I've, I've come to the conclusion I hope you guys are there with me is that you are you have the right to say whatever you want but so does everybody else so if you say something and people detract from that uh, that is both of your rights and you have to man up or woman up and accept people's opinions and just move on or you can argue until you're uh, you know blue in the face but nobody really gives a shit about your opinion if they're arguing against you that's the, the, biggest, uh, the biggest thing to argue with is your ear, in my opinion. Uh, and I think that was unfair uh, for, definitely for people to treat this movie as uh, harshly as they did. But I think it was also unfair on the other side to go after James Rolfe uh, as harshly as they did. Because he was doing exactly what people uh, who uh, defend political correctness say that they're doing, Right. So James didn't say, fuck this movie, fuck women, I hate him. Uh which is in his it's in his right to do so, but he <laughs> I'm not defending that at all. What I am defending is that they made a movie and he said, I don't wanna see it. And guess what? That was his right to do it. It's the exact same thing as uh walking out of a show. You just go, oh, I don't wanna hear this, right? That's your right to do. So I think it was I think it was unfair on both parts, which is crazy how it got so uh Got in so insane, and I didn't. I didn't understand it at all. It, it's. I think there were much more things to worry about, and people just. It was an echo chamber of, uh, you know, this means that, and that means this, and everybody just stacked it up until it became a big, big fucking deal. When guess what? It wasn't. It was just a shit movie that tried. That's all it was. Um, and now let's get back to it. Why was it a shit movie? Not because of the cast. I will say that until I'm I'm dead. Uh, the cast is great. The, that cast should be in another movie together. They had great chemistry together. The problem was uh, the writing was real bad. I will give all of the blame to Paul Feig. If you're listening to this buddy, um, hey, you, you took a chance, and I don't know if it was the studio or you, but one of you guys fucked up. You had every... It, it shouldn't have been a reboot of the of the nineteen eighty four. It should have just gone on the heels of it, especially if you're going to have the original cast in there. Um, and none of this none of this movie had passion. So when I talked before about uh, the original Ghostbusters, there was a lot of passion, right? A lot of passion uh, from Dan Aykroyd. In this movie, not a lot. It was. Uh, <laughs> There was just a little bit of, um, what am I going to say? A, l- a little bit of not uh, caring about the material. It was just, let's get to the joke as quick as possible, which is great, right? I made that argument with Dirty Work. It is great if you want to be a straight comedy, but if you have a mythos behind your fucking movie, uh, let's worry about the movie. Let's worry about plot points. Let's worry about making this an adventure first, and then you can throw jokes in easily. And I don't want to demean writing jokes. Uh, I don't think I can at this point when I have a comedy devoted, or a podcast devoted to comedy. But I will say, when you're making a movie and it's not a strict comedy, uh, it needs to be a plot first. Um, the perfect example is when in this uh, this movie, uh, when they are all sitting together in those clips, and... Uh, the Dean fires them and he does that whole bird thing. Uh, there's no reason for the Dean to be funny. In the 1984 movie, ev- like I said, every character, peripheral character, is straight laced. They are uh, reactionary to the situation, like a realistic situation and emotion. They don't say anything funny because they leave that to the main cast. Whereas the main cast here, in too many parts is regulated to being the the straight man in the situation. They're not the they're not the funny, and that is not how you do a comedy, in my opinion. Uh, unless you delegate the characters to be that way, but it, they dip in and out, and their whole the whole cast in um, in the whole entire movie is a bunch of goofballs. Everyone is a joke. Everyone is silly. Everyone has something to say. And so throughout the whole movie, there's no comic relief. There's just comic. And you. in my opinion, you can't have that in a movie that you also need to have a, a, a mechanism to further the plot, a mechanism to explain uh, certain, not only uh, events, or, uh, plot points, but to explain emotion, like have a, a reverence and a juxtaposition. A lot of times in movies uh, that are like real movies, the biggest laughs you get are you have this huge moment, like that's what Marvel does very well, if I can uh, kind of delineate for a second. Marvel movies have these big huge uh, moments of complete uh Uh, emotion and uh, almost cataclysmic uh, type events and there's a moment of levity where someone says some little quip and it gets a pretty good laugh or someone gets punched in the balls or you know whatever little thing that you can do but I've seen movies uh, or I've gone to those like uh, Marvel movies and the audience laughs like a pretty good laugh like I would like those laughs to be quite honest Um, but that's because the juxtaposition of the, the environment or the emotion next to a, a joke. And that's what needs to happen, not in all comedies. If you're a straight comedy, feel free to just be have a bunch of silly people saying silly shit. That goes down to the writing. But when you have an adventure movie, when you have a split genre movie, whether it's, uh, in my opinion, a rom-com, supernatural com, it uh, doesn't matter what com it is. If it's something com... It needs to be that something first, and then the comedy juxtaposes to that, because that makes the comedy that much more better. When you have a moment of real deep sadness, and then someone farts in the middle of it, that makes that fart really funny. If you have a moment where somebody's farting really loud, and then you have a tiny fart from somebody afterwards, uh, still funny, to be quite honest, right? Farts are funny. But... It's not as funny because there's no juxtaposition of emotion. There's no juxtaposition of events or uh, just the, the levity or gravity of the situation. There's no subtlety in the humor that there's a dean who's a moron and the girls are trying to say jokes and then he flips them off. And it's just the only one who played the straight man in that movie was in that clip. Was where Kristen Wiig gets fired from her job, uh, from her dean at her fancy college, which is played by shit. The guy, he's a guy in Game of Thrones, uh, who is Tywin Lannister, I believe. But he's straight laced, right? And then you get a little, you get a little bit of back and forth between them, where Kristen Wiig gets to be awkward, and he's very much not having it. He's just like, yeah, go fuck yourself. So you get a little bit more acting, you get a little bit more texture to the joke other than silly person, silly person, boobity bloop. It's just a fucking circus in my mind. I, you know, it, I could, I could be wrong, but this is just how I feel and how I felt watching that movie of like, oh, I don't, I inherently don't, uh, all right, that, maybe that was my biggest problem. I inherently didn't care about the movie. And when you're watching a movie, that's not a good sign, right? It's not that I didn't like the jokes. There was a couple of times where uh, I kind of giggled. Uh, There was a point where a guy named, uh, oh shit, he was from Mad TV. I'm going to say Michael McDonald, but that doesn't sound right. I think that's a fucking country music star or something like that. But there was a, a point where he's like, oh, don't hurt our theater. And then he screams, but it's like the tiniest girl scream. And it comes out of nowhere. There's no reason for it. They just do it. Uh, that was funny. There was a good juxtaposition there. They didn't set it up. They just did something out of nowhere and it made me laugh. It was very Monty Python type of like, all right, that came out of fucking nowhere. So it's not like there was lack of humor uh, in in this movie. It's just that it was, I think it was too much. And not too much humor like, oh, oh I'm dying laughing. It was too much like they're, they were trying too hard to be funny and not trying hard enough to make a good movie. And that was always the biggest difference with me and if in my opinion if you're gonna make a reboot or you're going to do a sequel just give a shit about it Uh, Paul Feig I watched an interview right before I started recording this and he said that somebody else approached him to do the movie Um, somebody uh, like one of the executives approached him to do the movie and he was like yeah I was a huge fan of the movie I saw on opening day when it first came out. And then he just kind of trailed off from there, and that sounded like the mo- Now, he could have been in a catacomb of interviews and just wanted to give a simple answer, but it didn't sound like he ate, breathed, and drank Ghostbusters. Not saying you have to do that to make a good movie, but you almost have to get in that mindset while you're making the movie. I'm sure he worked very hard. I'm sure he thought he was making something good, but it he was making it how he wanted it to be, not how Ghostbusters fans wanted it to be. And I think that, in my opinion, is your first... uh, Zack Snyder is this way too. Zack Snyder, uh, his first... um, When he's making the reboots of uh, Superman, Batman, all that stuff... He's making what his vision, like what he wants that universe to be, right? When you set up a universe or a mythos, both of those guys were setting up what they want it to be, right? But when you're rebooting a beloved thing or redoing a beloved thing, uh, and I'll even give George Lucas uh, the same treatment this talk. When your fans become the, the vehicle to which you're traveling on, it is your responsibility to give them what they like. Not what they want, because a lot of people don't know what they want. They didn't know they wanted... They didn't know they liked Star Wars. They didn't know they wanted Ghostbusters. They didn't know they wanted Marvel movies, right? You build that. But whenever you release it and they become part of the mythos, they become part of the vehicle, your job is to think, what do they want, not what do I want? And that... Um, I think that is, the, that is the responsibility and the crutch that reboots, remakes, and sequels have to f- follow to be successful or to not shit in the face of people who enjoy their stuff. Right? When you come up with a brand new idea, like when Beetlejuice came out, you could do whatever you want, right? Because nobody, you don't, you get to follow your own gut instinct of like, this is what I think people will like. And when it works, it works. That's, that's the flip side of it. Like, you get to do whatever you want, but it's a fucking gamble because some people might not like it. Whereas on the other side is like, well, you have to stick to what they like. Uh, but the guarantee is that they are going to like it because you're sticking to what they like. It's when you go off on your own, you think you have more, you have the hubris to think like, oh, I know better than the fans, I'll, I'll show them what they want. And it's like, no, motherfucker, we know what we like. We like that thing. So couch it in that. There's a reason for that. Um, and so that, that's what I don't think this, this movie did, uh, which, you know... How many people thought about this when they watched it? I don't know. I would like to think that's a good portion. People, you know, who went to the movie theater. I went into this movie going like, ah, I might actually like this. You know, I like all the the people involved. I I like Ghostbusters. Yeah, I didn't want a fucking reboot, but, you know, I'll give it a goddamn chance. And I watched it. I'm like, wow, they really fucking dropped the ball. And I feel bad for the ladies involved because they had to go through hell and high water for someone who didn't have a good vision in it. Didn't have what made the the first one so good, which was the passion of the supernatural and to couch a, a joke in the juxtaposition behind something as, as gravity-invoking as death itself. Death, the end of the world, uh, real wrath of God-type things, cats and dogs living together. That's where you get the humor, is uh, the cats and dogs line. So... Um, I, I hope in the future that uh, people will uh, give shit a chance, and uh, when given a chance, uh, we'll respect what the audience uh, would like. You could have done such a better job at this uh, Ghostbusters 2016, in my opinion, to where the women uh, were just as entrepreneurial. I watched this with my friend Emily Galati. She pointed that out. For such a feminist movie, it's very much a Uh, emotionally driven movie where uh, the first one let me make this point because we both thought this uh, she brought it up and I I totally agreed in the first one uh, and then we're going to end on this but on the first one the the fellas were just entrepreneurs right they get fired from their jobs Uh, and then Bill Murray's character Peter Rinkman who's a fucking con man like he just does everything for money basically money and pussy is what he's doing it for But he convinces the two scientists to take mortgages out and really go out on the limb and have a a real shot at making real money, right? We're going to be the only Ghostbusters. Let's go out and do money. So part of it's through science and part of it's through money. That is their main driving point, science and money. Now, the other one, however, is now it's kind of a meta... uh, Maybe it's a good idea, but it's not executed well because the other one was uh, kind of set on two tracks, right? It was set on money, I guess. And not even money. They never even talked about money. Uh, It was set on two tracks of science, right? They wanted to prove their science. They wanted to prove that they weren't crazy, uh, even though everybody's telling them wrong and just shut up and stuff. And I get the feminine parallels and maybe that's what they were trying to do is that women are trying to say this and nobody is listening to them and even when they do believe him nobody wants to stand up for him so that was the science aspect but the other one was just a bunch of touchy-feely bullshit and just thrown in there for no reason uh one was the fact that kate mckinnon and uh mccarthy's characters were childhood friends that nobody liked him in high school. This is all through the dialogue. I'm not just making this up. But this was stuff that could have been cut from the movie or not even involved, cause who gives a shit. Right? I wanna see three three, four four, sorry. I wanna see four badass men or women just fight fucking ghosts and win. I don't want I don't need a fucking backstory on that, unless it's furthering the plot somehow, but it's not. It's just furthering some vague character uh exposition that I don't need to know. We don't need any touchy-feely. You're fighting dead people. Unless you're gonna see your grandma or something. That would be, that would actually be kind of cool. Like, you're fighting ghosts and they're treating them like they're wild animals and then you see someone you know. That would have been fucking cool, now that I'm thinking about it. But they didn't do that, alright? What they did was, Rachel... Uh, McCarthy and Chris uh, and Wiggs' character are like childhood friends and they just don't get along. And so part of this adventure that they're going on, building this thing, is them coming together as friends again because they split apart. Now they're coming back through science. <coughs> Leslie Jones' character is kind of a loner who uh, works as, on the CTA, or not CTA, but whatever the uh, New York version of the train and she's kind of a loner, sees ghosts, nobody believes her, so she goes to these women and then becomes part of the Ghostbusters and then uh, uh, Kate McKinnon's character's a weirdo, and in the movie towards the end, they all go to Cheers and she talks about she. and I get that it was supposed to be funny because she's a weirdo and you don't think she's emotional, but it wasn't because she just gets up and she's like I've never had a family before and I've only studied science and I feel like you guys are my family, and it's like, alright, great, the I don't give a shit. Like, I I honestly didn't give a shit about any of their relationships because, one, they didn't make it a priority in the movie as of the plot, and then, two, why the fuck am I gonna care about anybody's emotions in, a, in one, a supernatural film, then, two, a comedy, then, three, you're gonna put what, drama in there? No, you can't, that's three different genres. Get rid of one of them. Get rid of the drama. Just have comedy and fucking Supernatural. That's all you need. And that's all they did need. So I, that was uh, something that my friend Emily brought up that I 100% agree, that for something that was very feminist-driven, uh, they still tried to couch, uh, they still tried to couch a very f- feminine idea of uh why these women would do it why not just have them be businessmen like the first one there, there's no reason to change that other than to say something that like women don't have entrepreneurial spirit i guess i don't, i couldn't understand why they did it unless they were trying to say like no this is uh this is a feminist one so women do feminine thing I don't know I have no idea why they did it and it it really did bug me once we talked about it so next time you reboot something and you change genders uh, men to women women to men uh, why don't you write it to where it doesn't matter if they're women or men Uh, why don't you write it to where it's just a screenplay Uh, because I guarantee if they were all men they wouldn't have written that fucking screenplay like that for everybody who's out there going like "fuck you, you sound sexist." All right, show me, show me any idea of guys that you would see in a screenplay like that where their childhood friends they don't get along, then the other one says like "I finally have a family." That wouldn't fucking happen. That just doesn't happen. If it does, all right, fair enough. Then I'm a piece of shit. But I guarantee it would have just been fucking four. Like in the first one, it'd been four dudes just kind of. Doing whatever they all have motivations but their motivations are kind of null unless it furthers the plot this one was like hey here's this like side emotional thing let's go back to fucking killing ghosts so in conclusion the 1984 movie uh classic movie not funny people say it's funny it's uh it's amusing it's classic it's quotable not funny though Uh, To me, anyways, there's not a lot of lines that I laugh at. There's not a lot of stuff that I go, haha. I just go, this is a really good movie, right? Uh, Much like Back to the Future. uh, Not a lot of stuff that I laugh at, if any. Not very funny, but amusing and a fucking great movie. And that's, I think, what you need to do, right? You need to have a good movie first when you have a split genre uh, movie. uh, And then you need to make it funny afterwards. Uh, And the 2016 version uh wonderful components wonderful cast crew uh director could have uh maybe been better but th- there was everything there for it to be a good movie but they dropped the ball should they have gotten so much horrible press and bullshit before they even were given a chance fucking no they should have just been given the same chance that any other movie has is like yeah all right well here's fucking robocop nobody wants it but let's uh let's just have it out there right and then people go up and make their own decisions Um, And I'm going to end this on the 2016 review from uh, J.R. Kennard, who's a film uh, critic. And he says exactly what I feel about the 2016 version. He says, it feels like a safe, flavorless recipe prepared by gourmet chefs and gourmet ingredients. And I 100% agree with that. There was everything there for it to be wonderful. It's just at some point, they did it safe, and they did it easy, and it just dropped the ball. And on that, I leave you and say, remember, none of what I just said fucking matters. I'm just a douche doing a comedy podcast. But it also does matter, because I want to inspire you to go out and find not only your own comedy, but I'm going to start saying your own art, too, all right? We're all... In this shithole we call a, a world together, and you know what? If you can't find shit that you like, if you can't if you can't define why you like it and why other people should like it, well, then you're not living life as well as I think you should be. So go out there, try to find something, and explain it to somebody else why you like it. Passion drives not only this industry, but it drives life as we know it. I think, uh, and I think Ghostbusters 1984 with Dan Aykroyd is a good example of that. So please follow me. On uh, You can go to my website, isamcomedy.com, or you can go to Twitter and Instagram or Facebook, all isamcomedy, uh, the letter I, S-A-M, comedy. Or just be back here every Tuesday so I can talk sweet, sweet nothings in your ear. Uh, I love you all very much. Please go out, find your funny, watch Ghostbusters, both 1984 and 2016. Both get my recommendation because you may love both, you may hate both. But either way, it is funny people trying to do funny things and we should support that. So thank you all very much. I will see you next time. Enjoy your life. I love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. makes me feel good. He's slimy. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. That's great. I ain't afraid of no ghosts. That you just walk some more I think you better call